Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry's Foundation. Today's episode is brought to you by the Interior Segment Disease Care Channel. Today's title is A Pilot Study of Low-Dose Doxycycline to Lower IOP in Patients with Glaucoma and Ocular Surface Disease. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Tom Quinn, our topical editor, Dr. Kelsey Steele, and our topical expert, Dr. Dominic Opitz. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's broadcast. Greeting you of curious minds to the American Academy of Optometry's clinical podcast series. In this episode, we're going to be discussing a poster that explored the possible relationship between doxycycline and intraocular pressure. I'm Dr. Tom Quinn, and our guest expert for this episode is Dr. Dominic Opitz, who's a practitioner and associate professor at the Illinois College of Optometry and one of the authors of the poster that we're going to be discussing today. Welcome, Dr. Opitz. Hey, Tom. Thank you very much for having me. This is super exciting. Uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to kind of share uh, the work that myself and my colleagues have done here. Nick, this is exciting for us because every podcast we've done up to this point has been on a published paper. So you're our first poster that we're going to be discussing. So yeah. (laughs) And the poster was presented at the annual meeting of the American Academy of Optometry in San Diego. And you were one of the authors, as the lead author was uh, Dr. Catherine Hoas. Uh, Haas. 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 Okay, yes. thank you. And uh, let's start with specifically, what is it you guys wanted to study? Well, like a lot of research, things just kind of happen almost by accident and through uh, just some clinical observations that you know I personally have had over the uh, years managing glaucoma. And, you know, one of those observations is that, you know, many of my patients have ocular surface disease that, that, that have glaucoma. And uh, there has been several patients over the years where their ocular disease was, or uh, ocular surface disease was so pronounced that we actually had to take, you know, uh, uh, a holiday from the medications that they were taking to kind of clear up the ocular surface. And interestingly enough, when I would do that, and then I would sequentially add back medication, uh, the pressure actually was better than when they were on, you know, three or four different uh, medications. Okay. So the, the, the population you were looking for then had to be under treatment for mild to moderate glaucoma and had to have ocular surface disease, right? Or signs or symptoms of ocular surface disease. What signs and symptoms did your subjects display? So uh, from a symptom standpoint, you know, the, the common symptoms that are oftentimes associated with dry eye, you know, redness, uh, irritation, you know, burning, just general ocular discomfort yeah. uh, is what most patients would oftentimes complain of. And from a clinical science perspective, uh, m- most commonly we saw, you know, almost everyone had signs of some form of meibomian gland dysfunction. Okay. Uh, and then there was oftentimes associated decreased tear breakup time. There was staining to the cornea and to the conjunctiva, uh, as well. Okay. So you didn't break them out, uh, specifically as a, I call it quality versus quantity dry eye. So quality where they have meibomian gland dysfunction versus quantity where they just don't produce much tear. Did, was it a mix, mis, 
mismatch of those kinds of folks? Uh, yes, it, it was it was very much a mixed match. Uh, I mean, it, for the the initial pilot study that we did, you know, in, enrolled six uh, patients. That's what we kind of reported on in this last uh, poster that, that that we presented. Uh, and about two thirds of them had, you know, clinical signs of meibomian gland dysfunction. And then the, the remaining had just, uh, you know, poor tear quality, uh, rapid tear breakup time, uh, and, and so on. Okay. I noticed that there were six subjects and six authors. So I'm curious, was one subject seen in each of the author's offices or how, how did that work? Yeah, no. So uh, the, the patients were, uh, being in an academic institution, you know, we, we include you know, students and residents in on the, um, the whole research project. And, you know, many of the author, authors that were listed are some of my uh, students, uh, many of which have, you know, matriculated on to doing great things on their own. Uh, but myself and Dr. Haas were the, the primary investigators for the data collecting. Okay. And then our, our co-investigators uh, would participate in identifying suitable candidates, you know, reaching out to them and doing a lot of the, uh, you know, behind the scenes, because there's a lot of work that goes into good quality research, as I'm right. sure you're well, well aware of. Yeah. Okay. So what'd you guys find? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it. It was interesting, you know, this was actually a, a takeoff from a, a poster that Milton and I presented several years, Milton Hom a couple of years ago. And uh, that poster showed a significant drop in, in, in IOP, you know, more than a 30% decrease in IOP. Uh, just this was, you know, a patient that had bad ocular surface disease. Uh, we treated them with doxycycline. Uh, the IOP went down, we took them off of the doxy, the IOP went back up, we put them back on the doxy, and the IOP went back down. So that that caused us to stop and think, all right, is this a one-off, or is, the, is there something to this, you know, using uh, the doxycycline? So uh, the raw data, so baseline mean IOP for the six subjects that we enrolled was 16, Okay. And you know, patients were treated with doxycycline for three months, and then we checked the IOP at one month, we checked it again at three months, and then at three months, they stopped the doxycycline, and then we rechecked their IOP uh, six, uh, at six months, so three months post-doxycycline. Uh, and interestingly enough, at one month, uh, the IOP reduced from baseline by uh, more than 8% of an IOP reduction. Uh, and then at three months, the IOP went down uh, by a total of 15, almost 15 and a half percent decrease from their baseline IOP. Did you check that for st statistical significance, Nick? We, we did. And statistically, we, were, we wouldn't have reported on it if it wasn't statistically significant. Uh, and much to our surprise, as you would expect, it was uh, statistically significant. Okay. So, you know, P yeah. So I don't know if you want the actual P values, but I just wanted to make sure the audience knew that you looked at that. So, yes. and just to be clear, the, it was, uh, the doxycycline, the dosage, tell us what, what you did. Yes. So, uh, this was low dose doxycycline. So we use 50 milligrams once a day and, you know, in a low dose doxycycline has been shown to have some anti-inflammatory properties more so than the antimicrobial uh, properties like we do with higher dose, you know, typically like, you know, hundred milligrams twice a day. So this was right. 50 milligrams once a day. 
Great. So what do you think's going on here? Uh, I, I, there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I don't have a short answer for you. Uh, okay. Based on, you know, previous work that has been published, uh, it's interesting that uh, BAK, there, there was one uh, case series that was uh, published, and this looked at a case series of patients who were referred to a tertiary eye care uh, clinic with the intent of having invasive glaucoma surgery. And, you know, the surgeons decided that the ocular surface was just too uh, roughed up to, to proceed with surgery because a poor ocular surface can lead to, you know, failure with uh, invasive glaucoma surgery. So this author uh, took patients and, and changed all their medications when they could to uh, preservative-free medications and then added doxycycline. What we did is we kept the uh, medications the same. We did not change their, their medications. We just added in doxycycline. Got it. So I feel, and, and there's been some reports that BAK uh, it has not only the uh, ability to penetrate the ocular surface, you know, the conjunctiva and then the cornea, yeah. but it can and does enter into the anterior chamber. And, you know, if you think about it anatomically, you know, the cornea, you know, the peripheral cornea, it's just adjacent to uh, the trabecular meshwork. I mean, it's right. less than one millimeter away from the exterior surface of the cornea. So uh, it's been shown that when you add BAK, even without glaucoma medications, just straight BAK to the cornea, it does enter into the cornea and it gets into the trabecular meshwork. And when it gets into the trabecular meshwork, it causes a whole host of different uh, uh, biological changes that, that, that take place. And one of the underlying common threads associated with many of the changes to the trabecular meshwork. So the human trabecular meshwork uh, cells is you get an inflammatory response that, that takes place. And these inflammatory responses with straight BAK causes structural changes to the trabecular meshwork that mimics the structural changes that we see in patients that have open angle glaucoma. Wow. So, uh, you know, MMPs, you know, we know that uh, the MMP specifically, MMP9 has been found to be, uh, you know, very detrimental from an inflammatory standpoint to the trabecular meshwork. Yeah. And uh, so my, my hypothesis or my theory is that, you know, low-dose oxy, you know, being a, an anti-inflammatory agent is somehow uh, reducing the inflammatory response that's taking place within the trabecular meshwork and by doing that, you're allowing the extracellular matrix to kind of turn over, which oftentimes gunks up the TM, mm -hmm. which is why patients with open angle glaucoma have resistance to outflow. So it must be something with the anti-inflammatory response that is taking place. Interesting stuff. Thank you so much, Dr. Obitz, for sharing the results of your early studies. And we're looking forward to seeing what develops over time. We appreciate your expertise. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.